You're listening to the Q's Podcast, episode 20. Welcome and thanks so much for joining us. Here on the Q's Podcast, we'll talk to credit union industry leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. I'm your host, James Lenz, Q's Professional Development Manager. In this podcast episode, we'll explore mergers and acquisitions with Steve Morissette. Steve is the adjunct professor of strategic management at the University of Chicago Bulls School of Business. He also serves as a lead instructor at the Q's Mergers and Acquisitions Institute. Today's hyper-competitive and dynamic business environment requires credit unions to actively seek new capabilities through mergers, acquisitions, and alliances. It's imperative to understand the pros and cons of each and to learn which is most appropriate for a successful strategy. The Q's Mergers and Acquisitions Institute is designed to help you take advantage of these lucrative growth opportunities. Like our other institutes, Q's Mergers and Acquisitions Institute is designed specifically for the credit union industry and is open to CEOs, CFOs, COOs, operations and finance executives, board members, and other executives involved in mergers, acquisitions, and new business ventures. The Q's M&A Institute takes place this summer, June 26th to the 29th, at the Booth School of Business at the University of Chicago. You can find out more information by visiting qs.org slash MAI. I think you're going to really appreciate the very relevant M&A content. Some key takeaways from my interview with Steve include recognize current M&A trends both in and outside the credit union industry, pick out myths and challenges that exist in relation to M&A and identify the value, objectives, agenda, and learning outcomes of the Q's M&A Institute. Now it's time to go straight to my interview with Steve Morissette. All right, I have Steve Morissette on the line. Thank you, Steve, for being part of the Q's podcast. Happy to be here, James. Steve, very excited to have you. We're going to be talking about mergers and acquisitions. Also talk about the Q's Institute on mergers and acquisitions. There's so much to talk about, but before we begin... I was hoping we could start off, if you can describe a little bit about your background and experience in business. Sure, I'd be happy to, James. For approximately the last 10 years, I've been teaching mergers and acquisitions strategy in the MBA program at the Booth School at the University of Chicago. We've had about oh, over 1,000 students go through that course so far. Also for Booth, I teach in their executive program in a week-long seminar on mergers and acquisitions for executives. And starting last year at Booth, in cooperation with Q's, we created a week-long mergers and acquisitions seminar specifically focused on the credit union industry. And so I've been, again, teaching mergers and acquisitions for about 10 years. Additionally, I've spent a little over 25 years of my career in the mergers and acquisitions field. I started in financial services and commercial banking, and I've done strategic planning and M&A work for a variety of industries, ranging from technology to I worked with a firm that fed all of our troops in Iraq and Afghanistan doing a strategic plan for them and uh, recently have worked with a couple credit unions on developing their strategic plan and developing a plan for mergers and acquisitions for them as well. So that gives you a little bit of a feel of of my relevant experience uh, to this topic. And we really appreciate the partnership that we have with you and your organization, with Q's. Uh, we love your experience, and we think our members will really take away some big understandings and findings and tools in, in the process in regard to mergers and acquisitions. Let's talk a little bit about the relevance of mergers and acquisitions. Steve, can you tell us a little bit about the trends that you're seeing outside the industry and then also inside the credit union industry? Sure, James. I mean, mergers and acquisitions is a topic that gets lots of press if you do the Wall Street Journal or you listen to CNBC. So it is a very significant 
trend for many years in industry in general. And part of that trend that it will be relevant to credit unions is on one hand, we have a trend towards consolidation where you'll see several firms coming together. I'm going to counterbalance that with a, a seemingly counterposing trend, which is that firms are narrowing their focus. So 30 years ago, you would see mergers where very different kinds of companies would come together. You would see someone like Pepsi buying Wilson Sporting Goods or merging in national van lines or at one point, Pepsi owned Taco Bell and Pizza Hut and Kentucky Fried Chicken as an example. What we've seen a change is people realize that you get better results of mergers if the company continues to be focused on its core business. And so we continue to see merger activity. It's a different type of merger activity recently than you might have seen 20 or 30 years ago. So instead of bolting together very different businesses into sort of a strange collection, we see businesses doing acquisitions and divestitures to focus on their core business. So you will also see firms who have done some of those types of acquisitions, realizing that those acquisitions don't fit with them, and now divesting those previous parts of their business that don't fit, doing further acquisitions, but focused on their core business. Generally, banking has always been good at that, and financial services has been good at that. You would not normally see a financial services firm do such sort of diversified type acquisitions. But it's very clear that the research has shown Wall Street's view is and best practices in industries are right now that acquisitions that help you focus and do not distract or diversify you away from your core business seem to get better results and be more strategically sound. You know, as far as trends inside the industry then, James, within financial services, there are several key trends going on. One macro or mega trend is technology issues. And the impact that technology is having on our industry is twofold. One is it's introducing new competitors. Consumers can now get banking service from non-banks, whether it's going online to get a loan from a non-bank or getting transactions done at the grocery store through or online through PayPal or Apple Pay. So the trend, uh, one impact is new competitors. The other trend in technology is consumers' expectations for increased technology has raised the bar in terms of the amount we have to spend on technology to meet our customers and consumers, in the case of credit unions, our members' expectations. That increase in technology expectations from members leads to an increased need for investment technology by credit union or financial institution, which in effect, James, raises the minimum size to be effective. Technology investments are expensive, and therefore, you have to be a certain size to afford those investments. And one more nuance around that trend is that not just technology that serves our members, James, but also technology that protects our members. Cyber risk and cyber crime sort of knows no size. And so it used to be that cyber criminals would target large institutions, but that is no longer the case. We see, you know, debit card fraud across all size institutions. And so the investments we need to make in technology to protect our members and protect our institutions are also increasing. So that's also increased the minimum size. So we are seeing some credit unions realizing that their size, they can't afford to make the investments technology that they need to serve their members well, and to protect their members well. The last trend that would be related to that also, as the industry becomes more complex, especially around government regulation and compliance, it has also raised the minimum size that you can be effective to make sure you have the expertise in your institution to properly comply with all the different financial services regulations that are there. So that has also raised the minimum size. So a couple trends, especially technology 
is raising the minimum size that you need to be in order to effectively serve and protect your members. Do those trends make sense to you, James? Yes, I do. I see the rise in new competition. We all see that. And then, of course, the consumer's expectation of technology, like you mentioned. And, of course, when you do all that, you also have to be prepared and have the people in place, systems in place, and the knowledge in place about protecting consumers' information. So we had Jim Stickley in episode 13 that released in January 23rd. Uh, He talked about cybersecurity with credit unions. It's a really important topic. And so you kept saying here, raising the bar of minimum size. You also mentioned government regulation and compliance. Those are all things that require the credit unions to raise the bar of the minimum size. You know, that's, you know, it's interesting because so my comments clearly indicate that the minimum size is going up. But let me balance that, James, with this thought. There are people in the industry who there are literally people, James, who think that the minimum size for a credit union is a billion dollars in size. And, and very few credit unions are that large. And so the way I think it's best to think about it is, is there's more than one right size. So in every business, in every industry, and for credit unions, there are multiple sweet spots where you can do a good job. There are $200 million credit unions that do a wonderful job for their members. And there are $700 million credit unions that do a wonderful job for their members. And there are $10 billion credit unions that do a wonderful job for their members. So there's no one right size. It depends on your membership base, depends on the mission of your credit union, depends on the context that your credit union is in. And so I I do want to qualify and say, well, I do think the minimum size has moved up. So can a $10 million credit union offer debit cards in a safe and effective manner? Can they make the investments in technology? Perhaps it will be challenging for a $10 million credit union, $10 million in assets we're talking about, to provide those types of services to members. But I don't want your listeners to leave this thinking that the only the largest can survive and serve their members well. There are multiple good sizes. There are disadvantages to being overly big and certainly overly broad, but there's a minimum size, but that range is very wide. Depending on the circumstances, there are $50 million credit unions that can serve their members very well. It's challenging. They have to have members who perhaps don't have as significant expectations around technology, you know, debit cards, online banking, mobile banking, etc. If so ship base doesn't desire mobile banking, then you don't need to make that investment, perhaps. But it is hard for a $50 million institution to make those investments. But to be clear, I don't want to sound like I'm in the camp that says thousands of credit unions have to merge with larger you know, institutions in order to survive. I don't think it's quite that simplistic to say that everybody's got to be a billion dollars or over. There's more than one right side. I appreciate that clarity. Well said. So it's about finding that sweet spot. I bet you that would be a big part of the discussions that you have at the Mergers and Acquisitions Institute. Talking about the right size for your institution, understanding the dynamics of, of, of that is an important topic and something I ask every member, every participant in the Institute to spend some time you know, considering an introspection and analysis to try and figure out what the right size for their shop is. One of the ways I frame this, uh, James, is so let's say you're running a $100 million institution. I say, ask yourself, is there anything the $500 million credit union down the street can do for their members that you cannot? And to look at that gap. And if that gap is small and perhaps not extremely important to your membership, then you're fine. If the gap between what you can do and the other credit union down the street can do is very wide, you have to ask yourself, are you serving your members well? And could I serve my members better if I somehow joined forces with another credit union? Wonderful. So what about the perhaps misconceptions that may be out there? 
any myths that might be there? So one myth, James, is absolutely that there's some magic number in terms of size, and that number is very large. So I, I think we need to be a little bit cautious there. The second one is that only sick credit unions merge. If you look at other industries, certainly one situation is a firm is struggling, it is not healthy, it is not serving its customers well, in the case of credit unions members well, and therefore they merge with a stronger partner. But if you look at the vast majority of mergers in other industries, mergers are a sign of success, not a sign of failure. Your company is doing well, somebody else sees that your company is doing well, they see value in whatever unique way you're serving customers, whether it's unique product, unique service, and they acquire you or merge with you because they see strength and success in what you're doing. In the credit union world, there was history that only sick credit unions merge. So it's become a little bit, what they want to call it a myth or just a negative perception connotation that when you're talking mergers, there must be a problem. And what you're seeing now much more often is credit unions realizing we're a strong credit union, but to serve our members well, we should consider merging or marrying with another credit union. So now as opposed to the merger being a sign of weakness, we're seeing mergers that are a sign of strength and forward thinking, looking forward by their board. And so that myth that, oh, merger means somebody is sick would be one that I think is being dispelled and corrected over the last couple, half a decade or so. But I still think that misperception is common in the industry. You make a good point there. That can be part of the challenges is just to overcome that mindset or philosophy. Steve, can you provide us any other challenges that credit unions face? You know, I think we've highlighted them. Challenges around increasing expectations from our members, challenges in terms of the pace of technology, and especially technology risk, cyber risk, you know, technology safety, and then the, you know, continued increased compliance complexity to make sure that we are treating our members in ways that are completely compliant with all the dozens of regulations that are out there can be a daunting task. You know, if you're a $100 million credit union, you've got someone who's wearing five or 10 different hats. That, that, those, each of those hats seems to be becoming more complex um, and more challenging to wear 10 hats. Wonderful. That just brings up to mind, I'm sure for our listeners, is to get training in this and to be comfortable to get to a point where you are able to act when you need to act and plan for various situations that may come up in the future. So, Steve, you are the adjunct associate professor of strategic management for the Booth School at the University of Chicago. You'll be teaching with Mark Knez, clinical professor of strategic management there as well. So let's talk a little bit about the M&A Institute. I guess uh, I should start by saying it's coming up soon, June 26th to the 29th, 2017. It's at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. June 26th to 29th in Chicago, we have arranged a, a week of beautiful weather guaranteed to be on our lakefront. <laughs> um, and it's a beautiful city. So for people that have not been to Chicago or have not had a chance to spend enough time there, uh, participants find it. Our convention area that we hold this in, our executive education center is just blocks from the lake. And so, so as far as the content of the seminar, I think there's a couple things that are important to emphasize. First of all, it is strategic. So this is meant to help a credit union executive and board member step back and think about the strategy of their credit union. And so the first two days are general strategic planning and strategic thinking for credit unions. And so it is not just about mergers and acquisitions. Well, the focus is mergers and acquisitions. You cannot do mergers and acquisitions the right way unless it's founded completely on the strategy of the institution. So we work with the participants, the executives and board members present, to spend time thinking about and describing their strategy. 
Only then can we think about whether or not a merger makes sense for their strategy because mergers are a way to accomplish a strategy. They are not a strategy of themselves. And so we need first spend time thinking about what is the strategy for a credit union? How can you serve your members well? How do you see serving them well over the next five to 10 years? And then we ask ourselves, can mergers help with that? Is there some role that mergers will play in your ability to increasingly serve your members well and better? So that's the first point. It has a strategic foundation. As a matter of fact, you know, I'll have students, participants after the Institute who will say, you know, we were just getting ready to start strategic planning. You know, these tools, the techniques we learned in class will be very helpful for us to do our next strategic plan. And so that's got nothing with mergers itself. That's just good you know, content around strategic planning. The, the second part of the course is to give participants an understanding, okay, of the full process. So if we looked at our strategy, we look at how mergers may or may not help them accomplish their strategy. Then we talk about if you come to the conclusion that mergers can help you serve your members well, what is the process to think about that? And so we go through a multi-step process that is based completely in the best practices from a multitude of industries, we use all the most current uh, and best practice literature to talk about the right way to do mergers and acquisitions. Obviously, in, in any activity, there's a there's you know multiple ways to do things, some better than others, and we've made sure to pull together the collection of best practices to provide a process. I'll stop short of calling it a playbook or cookbook, but certainly a process mm-hmm. map where you go from point A to point Z. Going through these steps will allow you to have a better chance of conducting a more successful merger than in a less thoughtful uh, way that's not based on best practices. So we lay out that process form, and in that process, they have a process map. These are the steps you will go through, and then we provide them tools, methodologies, and tactics that, that they will use to think about a merger and execute a merger. One of the analogies I use, James, is you know um, the tools that a physician uses. So you're going to be a physician. Your job is to diagnose the situation, come up with a strategy to treat the patient, and then execute that treatment plan. And physicians use a number of diagnostic tools to do that, x-rays, blood work, medical history, etc. They have a number of treatment options they can use, okay? If your knee's hurting, it might be physical therapy. Maybe it requires surgery. Maybe it requires rest. We've got a number of tools. And so we lay out a clinical process and provide the participants with the tools for each step of that process so that they can be an effective practitioner of mergers and acquisition. Does that uh, does that help you get a feel for what we do during the Institute, James? I think it'll help our listeners a lot, provide some background of what this is about. Talked to you a little bit earlier. I think you also mentioned looking at mergers and acquisitions outside the industry. There's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we do is that the Institute is a, a good combination of both general best practices and knowledge from M&A across all industries, and then also tailoring it and providing specific applicable insights and best practices for credit unions. For instance, one analogous industry that provides some insight is nonprofit healthcare. And so the healthcare industry is going through some of the the similar challenges and turbulence uh, that credit unions are. And like credit unions, they are not owned by stockholders. They're not answering to Wall Street. They're answering to, in the case of healthcare, their patients. In the case of credit union, their members. And so we look at, you know, is there anything we can learn from what's going on in the healthcare industry in terms of how they're dealing with industry changes, the decisions about staying independent, or do we join some kind of affiliation, some kind of confederation 
that allows us to serve our patients better? Or do we have to, you know, is it best to merge together several hospitals into a hospital group? And so we look at that industry in part of our discussions to say, is there anything we can learn from that industry that could give us insights on ways we could proactively evolve our institution? And I, I should also mention on that, James, that you know, at the University of Chicago, we're a research-based institution. All of our courses are always based on the facts and data that we collect in research. And so specific in the areas of credit union mergers and acquisitions, the university right now, we are conducting a very preliminary study around M&A in the credit union industry. And to build on my healthcare comment, one of the things we're studying mm -hmm. is, are there ways for credit unions to affiliate with each other to accomplish many of the benefits of a merger, but perhaps without going so far as a full merger? The analogy which I was thinking is sort of a shades of gray. So if white is staying 100% independent and black is doing a full merger with another credit union, are there shades of gray where we could partially join with some of our brother and sister credit unions to serve our members well? Other industries have developed sort of those shades of gray strategies or tactics or structures, and healthcare is one, where a hospital can remain independent but it can join with other hospitals to get some of the benefits that come by being part of a larger group. And so we are doing some research and are actually doing a survey of credit union executives and board members to get their thoughts on ways that we might be able to help credit unions, that where credit unions might be able to get the ability to deal with some of these challenges like IT and technology, but still maintain the right degree of independence and focus on their local members. And so that research uh, just began the last uh, couple months, and we expect that we'll be uh, able to publish the results of that research uh, sometime this summer. And we're excited right now. We're seeing a strong interest in the preliminary results in the survey. We're seeing a very strong interest from credit union executives and board members in trying to develop these gray area structures as opposed to just simple choices of staying independent or full merger. So once we, uh, James, get that research complete, perhaps you and I could have a follow-up conversation where we could talk about what we heard, like I said, we've already received 300 responses from credit union executives, board members. We'd still wow. like to collect some more, especially from uh, smaller credit unions. But by the summer, we should be done collecting and analyzing that data. And again, perhaps you and I could have a follow-up conversation about it. Credit union merger and acquisition research. Yeah, that would be fascinating. And I, we'd love to go ahead and connect with you again when we get the results back and analyze those. Hey, I want to ask from your perspective, who are you seeing attending the Mergers and Acquisitions Institute? A variety of participants, including obviously credit union CEOs attend, and that is to be expected. What I'm very pleased by is we're seeing other uh, members of the executive suite besides just the CEO coming, often coming with their CEO, which is a wonderful approach. We see institutions sending three people from their institution, and they have multiple perspectives, and it gets them a faster start. When they go back, now there are already two or three people that understand some of these concepts. And, and sort of have heard the, the gospel, as it were. Even more exciting is the number of credit union board members. So we saw a number of institutions that sent their CEO and a board member or their CEO and board chair. And a big part of this process first starts with, with education, which is why we offer this institute, both executive education and board education. Yes. Um, these decisions are board-level decisions. This is not like the decision about what our next marketing campaign is going to be. Is going to be direct mail or more newspaper or more, you know, social media-based. These are important strategic decisions that are boardroom-level decisions. And so, it's important that board members become exposed to these concepts. 
And they can be exposed by their CEO coming back and discussing it. But it is the feedback from CEOs has been that when they bought their board chair to this, they found it to be very helpful. As a matter of fact, what often has happened now in the last year, I'm going to count up, uh, James, four, five, four or five times now, we've had participants say, my board chair and I came to the Institute. We really like the content. Would you be willing to come to our board meeting or our board retreat and do a couple hour um, conversation about this so that all of our board can be exposed to some of these concepts more directly than just the chairman or the CEO trying to go back and recap what they learned with their board. And those have been very interesting sessions. And what's fun about those, James, is it has ranged from very large credit unions, six, seven, $10 billion credit unions have asked us mm -hmm. to come in and discuss these concepts with their full board and executive management team. And it's been a small, I'm doing one in a couple of weeks at a $30 million credit union. You know, think about strategic planning and they're asking themselves based on their strategy, can they serve their members well? You know, what role could mergers play for them? But uh, it's, 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 I enjoy the variety of, you know, five and $10 million credit unions all the way down to $30 million credit unions because these concepts are valuable to all sizes. You know, we all are in the same industry. We're all facing the same challenges. And I was really pleased when I see some of the smaller credit unions attend and then ask us to come and talk with their board. Great to see the variety. And you know they have received great value from the Institute by uh, inviting you and asking you to come over there and, and work with their team. That's fantastic. Any other success stories or well, outcomes you, know, as, you want as to a, share? As a professor and academic, you're, you're always happy when you get feedback from students You know where they say, boy, I, I, took, I went back to the office and I was able to immediately use this. Again, students saying, you know, we went back and we were just getting ready to start our annual strategic planning process and I was able to use so much of what I had in class. Or, you know, this material was so helpful. I went back and for our board, I had a special one-hour session where I reviewed the concepts with our board. So I'm, you're always pleased when they say they're able to use it right away. Wow. Um, I've had students say, we were, we were just getting ready to consider merger and this is going to really help us execute it better. So it's perfect timing. And so uh, I am especially pleased when students give us feedback that they were able to put it to work right away. So as opposed to some general abstract theory, they get concepts that they're able to use to help right. their credit union immediately. And then again, when they feel that the content is useful enough that they want more and they want you to come and talk to more people, that's also a success that, uh, you know, is gratifying to us. And I guess the last one is, is I'm really pleased when they talk about the strategic planning benefit, not just the mergers and acquisition. Mergers and acquisition as a tool will be a tactic or tool that some credit unions will find that will be useful for them. But every credit union benefits from better strategic planning. So even institutions that aren't ready to do mergers yet, right. they've commented that, boy, just this, the benefit to help our strategic planning process. So those would be some of the the feedback from participants that have that I found to be gratifying and you know help me feel that spending this week with them is worthwhile. Great stories. I, I like that you're lighting a fire under them and give them the resources and ability to communicate with their team. That is wonderful. We'll give some contact information for our listeners. For those who are interested in the Q's Mergers and Acquisitions Institute, you can go to www.qs that is c u e s dot org forward slash M-A-I, cues.org forward slash M-A-I uh, to find out more information. And don't forget, it's taking place June 26th to 29th this summer. 
in the beautiful Chicago. Steve was not kidding about the weather. It is an absolutely gorgeous time of the year to spend some time in the Midwest there for those who have not been to Chicago. Wonderful. Thank you, Steve, very much. I think um, uh, Hughes deserves a lot of credit for providing the tools such as this to help their credit unions continue to evolve to serve their members as best as possible. And so uh, it's a very forward-thinking effort by Hughes, and I think it speaks uh, well of the way they serve their members. Well, it's because of great individuals like you who have that experience and working with great organizations like Booth School of Business. Wonderful. On behalf of the listeners, thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Q's. Subscribe to this podcast and Apple iTunes to receive the newest episodes as soon as they are available. If you found value in our podcast so far, please spread the word to your colleagues and friends. If you'd like to connect with us regarding the podcast, you can reach us at podcast at Q's.org. I want to thank Steve Morissette for serving as a guest in the podcast. Remember, the Q's M&A Institute takes place June 26th to June 29th at the Booth School of Business at the University of Chicago. You can find out more information by visiting cues.org slash MAI. As Steve mentioned, it's a great opportunity to enroll several members of your team as a means to really take a set of giant steps forward in your professional development. For more talent content from Q's, visit cues.org. That is C-U-E-S dot O-R-G now. If you're a Q's member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development. Visit cues.org slash membership to learn more. Q's is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Q's can help you realize your potential, visit cues.org today.